Welcome everybody back to another episode of Risky Thoughts tonight with Rob and Zhang. Roy is unfortunately out of town this week and he is working very hard out in British Columbia trying to start up his new adventure that he spoke about in a few episodes and uh, tonight I've had the pleasure of Zhang joining. So we are going to go through tonight's episode with the absence of Roy for the first time and we'll see how that goes. Sounds good. All right. Thanks for listening, thinkers. So, um, <coughs> I know we talked briefly now, uh, Zhang, before we kind of went online here, that we were going to explore a topic that is close to you right now, given the new opportunity that's presented itself for you. Yeah, I got a job offer. I mean, the ink is not dry on the contract yet, but uh, got the phone call and uh, they said uh, they'd like to have me on board, so... I mean, the stress of finding a job is gone, but now the new stress and new anxiety of, you know, am I going to be good enough for this new job or, you know, are my skills good enough? And yeah, the uncertainty of success, I guess, is, is what I'm, <laughs> I'm worried about. So I, what I wanted to comment on and the reason why I paused is because I wanted it to be fresh in my mind before I got a chance to respond to you. One thing I think that's a common thread between you, me, and Roy is that we have this very strange inability to find inner confidence when we move into a new uh, a new space or a new adventure or whatever. Like Roy's out there now and he's taking on a challenge that he's never done before and he's obviously doing something that makes him uncomfortable. And I think he has gone into this with the mindset that I've gone into my previous jobs and it sounds like you are going into your next job with this mindset, which is that we feel like we don't really know what the hell we're doing. Yeah. Now, do you think it's just a matter of like fake it till you make it or? I don't know if it's that simple because through time, I've been through lots of jobs now. I've been through lots of interviews. I've gotten new positions and new places. And what I have found is that despite my thoughts about not thinking that I know what I'm doing, I guess my success would say otherwise. And I'm not quite still there, like I'm not fully there yet to be like, oh, I am great at what I do. I still have like a part of me that thinks like, uh, you're not, you know, you don't, you're not, you're not great for this. And like, you're going to have to like fake it for now. But I don't think that it's actually faking it. I think we go in thinking that we're going to fake it. And like the act of faking it, for those of you who can't see, I'm putting air quotes, faking it, um, is actually, actually what you're supposed to do. Yeah, is actually yeah. the job. Like I'm yeah. doing my job, right? Yeah. So. Um, I think so. I've always like the jobs that I've had have always kind of been, I would say, entering at a, like a entry level stage and then working your way up, and that that feels a lot more comfortable, right? It's like the expectation isn't there, but I'm kind of going in as a more like you know senior role. Like I guess people expect me to be some type of like expert. But deep down, you're just like, I don't know. like Yeah, the doubt is there. The doubt is there. Yeah, it's strange. I mean, I went from being uh, entry level in my industry was project coordinator, I would say, for like an office space. That's the entry level position. I did that for seven years. I'm going to guess about seven years, maybe 10. I don't even know now. At some point in that process, I would say that I transitioned into a project manager role or junior project manager's role without the title and so I was picking up the skills that came along with being a PM just by the nature of how my boss handled passing work to me and delegating work to me it was more responsibility as time went on 
Mm-hmm. And um, that edged me into the space. So when I moved into the next role as an actual project manager, um, I felt, you know, inadequate going into the role because I never had the PM title before. So there's like that overwhelming thought process that's like, well, now I'm, I, I am a PM and now there's expectations, like you said, that I have to uphold. Um, and, you know, it was it was definitely terrifying, a little unsettling and you know, but as time goes on, and if you last past a few months in a company, it's usually a pretty good indicator that they think you're doing well enough to to, to, to like to earn that position, right? Because there's usually a probationary period when you start a job. It's usually three months, yeah, six months sometimes, whatever. So if you get past probation, like they must like you. They must be doing something right. And I think once you get to that point is when I start to develop confidence. But more than that, I learn the people I'm working with, and I become familiar with the personalities around me. And then I can kind of really start to gauge my success because you can tell when someone doesn't like what you're doing yeah. or that they don't like you. And if they start to appreciate you, well, you can kind of feel that, right? There's like a social yeah. element of it. So I think a great advice that my old uh, my old boss gave me was you got, you know, especially when you're working, you have a direct manager, you got two goals or two objectives. One of them is make your boss's life easier and one of them is make them look good. Yeah. And well, so, I mean, that's the truth. That yeah. is the truth. Um, any any advice on how to get through like probationary period? Because like Roy's still on probation, right? Technically, I think he is, and he would be for the next little while. But Roy's situation is a great example of um, earning his place and like slowly feeling more comfortable with his surroundings. I mean, you got to remember what he's doing is well beyond our experiences of starting a new role. Because this guy, he started a new yeah. role. And then he's left the province and he's living with the people he's working with. Yeah. Like that's right? a, that's a, that's a, he's, he's experienced some big changes. Yeah. Let's like that. This is the definition of jumping into the deep end with no wings yeah. or water wings or whatever you want to call it. Like this is what it is. And every day I spoke to him, I remember talking to him at the very beginning, his first couple of days there. I think I even may have reached out to you. Yeah. Um, he was not doing great and he was feeling very like uncomfortable and thought like, this isn't for him and he, he, you know, he wanted to get out of there and move on. And then I said, just give it time, like work, just work on yourself, work on feeling comfortable. Don't worry about like the job, the job will come easy, right? Mm-hmm. Like the job will come to you. That part is not the part you need to worry about. It's worrying about dealing with the struggle of the adjustment. Yeah. Because we have a tendency, our personalities where it's like, we can do one of two things, work through it and push through it or run. And like, we're the runners. We don't, we don't, like, we're not, like, let's face it, right? We're yeah. not, we have a, we, we choose the path of least resistance, let's put it that way. And in the situation where you're faced with that uncomfortableness, it's easier to just leave than it is to force yourself to make yourself comfortable. But he's stuck there. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's in British Columbia. What's he going to do? Take a flight home just because he doesn't want to be there? Like, there's <laughs> a lot more resistance for him to run. Yeah. So it was, I think, I think it's the best thing that's ever happened to him. I think he's going to come back stronger. He's already told me like he's made some statements to his employers and he wants some adjustments made because he's finding his space. He's finding, you know, his role in the company mm-hmm. and fucking good for him, man. Like, I'm glad that he just stood up one day and said, no, this is what I, this is what I'm going to do for the company. I'm going to produce, but this is how I'm going to produce for the company. The way you guys are sort of putting me into this box isn't really working. Mm-hmm. I want to be here, and this is how I'm going to be here. I'm going to help you guys in this regard, and let's make it happen. And sure enough, they accepted that. They respected his position. They expect they respected his like confidence in his position. Mm-hmm. And I think that came because he just 
got comfortable. It just took time to get comfortable. And I think when you go into your new role, you can't go in expecting that on day one you're going to feel like you belong and that everything is kosher mm-hmm. and that you're a master all of a sudden. You're going to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's going to take sometimes weeks, even months for some people to really just grow accustomed to their surroundings and just become familiar with their role and how... Because companies are all different. Even if you're in the same position in a different company, yeah, you know, it doesn't mean that you're going to be doing things exactly like you were doing them before. Yeah. Right? So yeah. I think it's time. That time is the solution to the problem and persistence. Yeah. I, I haven't been... I guess like it's been a long time since I've had like a first day of work. Mm-hmm. First day of school or whatever. So... Curious to, well, yeah, what the what that's going to be like. Like, am I going to struggle the first couple of weeks? Am I going to feel awful like every single day? Like, I don't know. I don't know if I would say awful, but you're definitely going to feel uncomfortable. I oh, would yeah. say that much. Yeah. yeah, I think so, man. Like, I, I don't think there's a single job that I ever started where on day one I felt comfortable. You know, like, never. My most recent job, like the one I'm, I'm currently at, yeah. Um, it helped for me that my employers are relatively young. They are also from the same demographic as myself. We speak in a very similar language. They all went to U of T for civil engineering. Okay. Um, they articulate their thoughts in a way that I understand very clearly, and we're almost always on the same page. Mm-hmm. So that was the easiest transition of all of them. Um, but it still wasn't fully like it was uncomfortable. Like I, the first day I got there, I remember he was like, "Okay." Um, we're going to get you on this project and I need you to get familiar with it. So here's like a digital folder of like 600 emails, read them all and like come back to me once you've like read them all and you understand the project. And I thought to myself, like I do with every other job, like I can't do this. Like I can't, like this is overwhelming. Like how am I going to fucking do this? But I learned the one thing I did learn through my experience of moving to different jobs is I learned that like, okay, Rob, you know, this feeling, you know this is going to be difficult and uncomfortable. You're supposed to feel like this right now. Mm-hmm. Just sit down and like the task that you're given is really not even that challenging. Just yeah. read some emails. Yeah. So I just sat there. I opened one email after another. I read through every single one of them. You know, I started making some little notes because I yeah. thought that might be useful. Uh, and sure enough, after about a week's time, I kind of felt like I was getting into the groove. I started understanding the project. I started realizing that this is just like every other project you've yeah. ever worked on. So, so how long did it take you to read through the 600 emails? Uh, it took me the week. Oh, okay. Maybe, actually, maybe even less than that. Maybe it took me about three days to read through them all. Okay. You're not reading them in like hyper detail, right? You're talking yeah. about like skimming through to get the notes that are relevant. Yeah. Um, because the other thing that I realized from this industry is that you're never going to get full picture through reading a book. Mm-hmm. Or you're going to have to experience the interactions and talking to the trick the trade contractors talking to your client whatever right that's going to give you a better understanding and then as long as i kept mental notes of like the general feel of what was going on i can always say to myself oh i remember reading an email about this topic yeah let me go back and and read it now my employer now is like they're so vigilant on organization that like you can come from the outside know nothing about the industry know nothing about the project know nothing about the, the company and you will find a piece of information if someone asks you to go and find it. If I said to you here, Zhang, here's the folder, like the, the USB stick with all the files on it. I want you to go and find me an email that talks about, you know, X. Yeah. You would be like, well, you're crazy. Like, how am I supposed to know? You would open that thing and you'd be like, oh, it's so intuitive. This folder's titled that. That's titled that. That's titled <laughs> that's that. Great. Like, it's all nested. It's wonderful. But, so that made it easier too. But, um, 
yeah, I don't know, man. I think for me, the biggest adaptation, like the biggest change that I undergo when I start a new company is A, learning their protocol, like learning their methods, and then B, learning the people. Like the people, I think, is the biggest one. Okay. That's that's my... I mean, I think these are great notes. Protocol and people. Yeah. Two Ps. Yeah, two Ps, (laughs) exactly. Um, it's something you mentioned I thought was interesting the, the idea of like understanding um, when I went so similar story to Roy like when I, I actually you know I got kicked out of university my marks were too low and I went out to Vancouver to work for an engineering firm lied to my parents said uh, oh yeah I'm doing my <laughs> professional engineering here and I came out to bite me in the ass like later <clears throat> it was like hey uh, looking at my transcripts like didn't you already take these courses <laughs> Like, oh, I got something to tell you, mom and dad. I filled out. But anyway, so... He came back and he finished it, so... Well, when I went there, I guess it was kind of like an internship, like a, you know, professional year, but really it was like a co-op or something like that. Um, I was asked if I understood something. You know, I, I get that, like, like, you understand this? And, I, and you know, you don't want to look like an idiot, so you're just like, yeah, I understand it. <laughs> but if you... If you like, if you have like fifty percent or sixty percent understanding, like that's actually like not enough, because you will it, like you will get caught. Yeah, you'll look like a fool. At yeah, some you point. will be exposed. Yes, and that's what happened. Like I got exposed. Like my lack of understanding became exposed, and so it was interesting because that that was an important life lesson I had there. Where because then the next time you asked me, like, do you understand this? Like I had to make sure, like, yeah, like. Like it's it's such a weird concept. Like, do you understand something? And I think a lot of people think that they understand something, but there's like levels to that. And so I kind of took that learning and I came back, you know, when I did my you know, try to complete my degree when I came back. And so it was like going into exams, there would be a certain level of understanding that I needed to be comfortable enough to be like, Okay, I can like I'll pass. Yeah, I'll pass. Yeah. But that but the interesting thing was like that level of understanding, like, that wasn't a pass. That was like a, a B. That was like a 75, maybe like low 80s. And so sometimes I think like, man, like those people who are like getting like 95s or like, you know, the top 5%, the top like 2% of the class, like what is their level of understanding? Like they got to know this stuff like inside out. You know, that is an interesting thing to explore because like, so the guys I work for now, their father is still around. Like he's still one of the owners of the company. Or actually, I'm not sure on paper. It's not, not really relevant, but he's around and he's got a heavy influence. He's got all the wisdom in the world. Like the guy knows everything, right? Like he's just a walking textbook when it comes to execution of construction. And um, he's also a civil engineer who also went to U of T. Like the whole family is, yeah. you know. And the one thing that's super interesting about the guy is that, like, if he asks you a question. He's already know he already knows the answer. Like most of the time, he's already got the answer plugged in his head, and he's either just testing you, or he'll just be like, "Okay, well, let's see where you're at." It's like an aptitude test, yeah, right? Like, let me just weigh this guy out. Pop quiz, hot shot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> kind of like a movie Speed. Um, and you know, some people will try. I tried to lie once. I didn't <laughs> lie. Like I tried to do what I normally you do. You just wing is, it. Yeah, you take that little understanding that you have, yeah. and then you pile on like a bunch of bullshit to make it sound like a more elaborate understanding. And he stopped me. He's just like, don't lie to me. You're like, don't do that again. Like, I know that you don't know. So just say you don't know. Yeah. And I was warned about this from other people who know this guy before I started there. And they're like, don't bullshit the guy because he will catch you. 
Yeah, and it's not gonna look good. And he'll test you. And they all warned me this was gonna happen. And I still yeah. went in like thinking guns blazing, cocky individual that I am. Like oh, I got this. I can I can sugarcoat anything. Uh, no, I didn't get past like fucking thirty seconds with the <laughs> You know, and he called me out, and I was like, wow. You know. So then, as he was explaining the same thing he had asked me about back to me, it was like, okay, so what what I thought I understood about this topic, and it, it's I wasn't fully bullshitting because I did understand. In my mind, I understood, like you yeah. said. But my understanding was like a Sur- fraction. Surface level. Yeah. yeah. And then, then he explained it to me at the level that he was expecting. And at the level, maybe not expecting, but at the level that he wants me to be at. Mm-hmm. You know, because his sons went through this mentorship and his sons understand things to this level. And now that I've been there for over a year, <clears throat> it, it's really funny because like I'll... I'll like, I will do this to the next person I get the opportunity to do it to. Cause I just, it, it was so good of an experience to be like, this was eye opening. Right. <clears throat> like when, and you're right. Like the question, do you understand? Maybe the question needs to be asked a little differently because people are going to not, people won't understand what you're asking them when you say, yeah. do you understand? Yeah. Right. They're going to be like, Oh, you know, do you understand I guess, I guess, or, I guess the, really the question is like, what's your level of understanding? That's the better way to frame the question. Yeah. That's exactly correct. Yeah. Right. And like, then you can say on a scale of one to 10, where do you think you stand? Right. And then, and then, you know, if you're being honest about it and you'd be like, yeah, you know, I think I'm at a seven and reality, you're at like a four, but that's okay. Because you know what? You were really trying to venture a, a feel of what you thought you knew. Yeah. And I think it's just more, it, it's a far better approach because then it's like, the consequence of not knowing and not understanding or thinking that you understand and then not and then realizing you really don't understand yeah it's demeaning to your fucking your mental capacity like all of a sudden you start thinking you start questioning yourself on everything yeah you know because then another, another like a couple of days later he came to me and he said this same, same thing like do you understand this uh but he didn't say the words do you understand he asked me a question about something mm-hmm. but this time i knew that, that like i can't the same way that you had learned right i can't answer it by being like oh yeah this and that you know i had to be like this is what i know mm-hmm. right rather than saying yes i understand or yes this is how it works it was like let me tell you what i do know and then i'll let you sort of educate me if there's anything that i'm missing mm-hmm. right it was a different approach far more like the word's not practical, but it was a more efficient way of doing things because then mm-hmm. we were able to like, that's how we communicate in that office. Like if you walk into that office and you hear the way the conversations are had, it's so like bizarre because it's not like everyday talk. It's like we're always speaking in the most efficient way possible to deliver messages. And then like the next person's able to like respond back with like the, you know, again, with the most efficient response. It's really amazing to watch these guys do work and I'm happy to be a part of it. Right. But yeah. Um, I know we're going on a little tangent here. I'm sorry about this, but anyway, bottom line is yes, understanding is something that I think you, me, and Roy all have a tendency of. I don't even think that we go in thinking that we understand. I think that's the problem. Is I think that we th- we think about ourselves in a way that's like we believe we're con men of some sort. Like, oh, we got ourselves here just by fucking luck, and we somehow <laughs> we cheated the system to be in these roles. Maybe not you. I don't know. I know that I feel like that sometimes, and I know that Roy feels like that sometimes. No, I definitely feel like, especially now going to a new role. Like, I think this is why this conversation is like really good because, like, am I gonna try and bullshit my way through the first couple of weeks and like talk like I know stuff, or should I just be honest and be like, you know what? I don't really... So, I mean, that's the constant battle, right? Like, you think, like, oh, if I look stupid during my probationary period, like, the chance of me getting fired is, like, higher. But at the same time, like, 
if you're just honest about like your understanding, then you build a much better foundation. Cause that like, again, like, at some point you'll get exposed, right? hundred percent. And you're right about this because every employer that I've ever worked for that had the, the compassion to at least educate me in some capacity, they've all said the same thing. If you don't know, please just ask. I don't care if you don't know. Mm-hmm. I didn't hire you thinking that you know everything. I hired you because I know you have the potential to become great. And I actually hired you because you're young and you're moldable. And mm-hmm. I can change the way that you think to suit the way I want you to run my business. So a lot of the time, these people are actually not looking for you to be like set in your ways and know everything. Because then there's no opportunity to, to get you to conform to their expectations. Mm-hmm. Right? So I think it's actually beneficial when you go in open-minded and with the opportunities by saying like, you know, listen, I do know a little bit about this and this is what I know. How can I cater this knowledge or improve this knowledge to benefit the company that I'm working for? Mm-hmm. Right? Like how can I make it better for you if you're talking to your boss? Right? Yeah. And like that is a far more productive way of talking to your employer because you know i think people in general also want to feel like they can educate others people feel good like if you teach somebody something and they and they learn something you know you feel good too you feel good that you've now taught that person yeah i I guess my fear is just because maybe there there's two scenarios too like if there's someone that's teaching you something that's so rudimentary so, so basic you feel like am i just like wasting their time or maybe there's a fear that that you you are wasting someone's time when you're like asking the stupid question, which well, I always tell people there's no such thing as stupid questions. But at the real. same time, yeah. like there are stupid questions, and yeah, I think there's definitely a difference between thoughtful questions and and um, and stupid questions. I do agree with that. I mean, obviously, like there are some I, another example. I hate fucking giving over and over again examples from my life, but it's the best way I understand the world. There was a guy that I worked with at my previous employer. Um, he was a senior guy. He was like an older guy. He was taking on the role of the site superintendent and super nice guy. And I love this guy to death. He was a great guy. I feel terrible about how things ended up. But anyway, moral of the story here is that he started with the company and, you know, he came in 65-ish years old. You know, I figured this guy with his age probably has the experience. Yeah, probably he probably knows. knows. Doing, yeah. You know, and like when you're a young male in the construction industry, or even female for that matter, it doesn't really matter. Uh, when you look at site guys that are experienced, they're actually quite intimidating because they have a lot of years under their belt and they generally know their skill well. Like, you know what I mean? Like if you're a carpenter and you see a carpenter who's 55, 60 years old, who's been doing this for their whole life, there's a very high probability that if they're still doing it at that age, that they've mastered that craft. And, you know, being a person who works in an office, I mean, I have some skills with my hands and tools, but I'm not by any stretch of the imagination a professional. So when you're talking to someone like that and you're talking to them about their craft, you almost feel immediately intimidated. Like you're 30 years old or 35 or 25 in some cases, you're even younger. And you're talking to these guys who've been doing it their whole life and you have to sit there and like pretend like you're on their level. I mean, the reality is how can you be? How Mm -hmm. could you possibly understand their craft that well you can't you can learn it over time and whatever um and anyway this guy came in and this was the mindset my mindset was this guy's a senior site superintendent has been around the block he obviously is aged you know i didn't know anything about him except for the the fact that he was older Mm -hmm. and that he was going to be working on a serious project with me um 
But within a couple of hours of talking to the guy, I quickly started to realize that, like, you know what? This guy doesn't seem to really know what he's doing. And, you know, I went to my boss and I was like, I'm not so sure this guy is the perfect fit for this job. And it turned out that by the end of the project, we ended up having to get rid of the guy. And I felt terrible having to do that. But, you know, the truth is that, like, he just wasn't up to the task. He didn't have the skills that he required to perform his duties. And, like, you know... I'm sitting there thinking to myself, because I had just started with the company too, thinking like, I'm only 30, at the time I think I started there, I was 32, 33, whatever. I was like, I can't tell this guy that he doesn't know what he's doing. I had that same mindset. Mm-hmm. And I, I it, it circled back to me feeling, because I had just started there, feeling uncomfortable and like didn't really know if I was like cut for the task and whether I deserved to be in that position. Mm-hmm. So how could I be telling this guy who's 65 years old, that's been you know supposedly doing this his whole life, yeah. that he doesn't know what he's talking about? Right, and the reality was, it turned out that I knew a lot more than he did, and it just took time to realize that, and it took you know working with the guy to start hearing little things here and there. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess the bottom line is when you're going into a new role, like there's questions that can be asked, and the reason I brought all that up is because he did ask me a really stupid question. Like, and I'm, you know, sorry to use that language, but that's the truth. It was a question that, like, how do you not, if you have been building buildings mm-hmm. on the field? or in the field for 40 years, there's no way you did not come across this situation. Yeah. And, like, you should know the answer to this. Yeah. Like, you know? So, to go back to the, the idea of stupid questions and how... This is an example that actually should... I mean, not to put fear into you, but this is an example where a question made me think he doesn't belong here. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, it can happen. Yeah. But, I mean, you're not... You're not a dumb guy. Like, you're an intelligent person. And, like, there's no way that if somebody asks you a question in your field that you're going to be like, I don't know. Like, completely, I don't know. Yeah. Right? Like, there's just, I don't believe that. Like, you have a strong mental capacity, so there's no way. I mean, I think I I go do a little bit more digging. I think it's just like, I won't ask the first stupid question. Sure. Like, okay, this this might be a stupid question. What's a better... What's like one level or three levels deeper into that question that I can ask that at least show like I did some research or did some investigation. Yeah. Um, but I kind of want to like maybe maybe also talk about, you know, this, the guy that uh, you had, I guess your company had to let go because I think um, something I struggle with is this idea of, you know, the people talk about millennials, like they want to, they want to work at one place for like one year and they, they just want to jump around. Um and I kind of did the opposite. You know, I stayed at this one place for like eight years. And I think at some point, like, I started to stagnate. But, I mean, the the raises kept coming, right? And the titles started, like, piling up, right? But I think young people should value skills and, like, skill acquisition over... Title improvements. Yeah. I think so. And especially, like, staying at a place for, like, eight years, like... And especially when it's it's a position where you don't have a strong mentor um, and you're just kind of like, and that's that's kind of like my jab maybe at like startup culture and like smaller companies where it's like you do a little bit of everything. And for, especially for companies that are, I guess, where they're, you know, the business people there are a little bit more shrewd and they don't want to spend the resources to, you know, try new technologies or take risks on you know learning new things or things like that um i think it is good to kind of jump around and get more experience and see how 
you know, other people do it and, you, and you'll be able to kind of gauge. I think that's, that's like a key thing. Like how do you gauge your skills? And for me working at Asia one company, the only way I was able to gauge myself is in comparison, like to pretty much like everybody that's been hired. It's like, am I like how, like in the grand scheme of things, like how smart am I? Like, am I able to solve the problems? So this is very interesting. Cause like I had a very similar experience, although very different. You work for a company that was a startup, so relatively new company. Uh, I worked for a company that's been around for 60 years when I first started in this industry. And the culture was still exactly the same. It was the same experience that you had there that I had here. These guys, um, they're super wealthy individuals. So the success of the business can almost be attributed strictly to the fact that they have lots of money because they can always pump more money in to fix their problems. And I learned... I had a great mentor. That was another big difference between the situations. I had a very good mentor who really taught me the fundamentals of construction. He was not good with paperwork. He did not understand a contract if his life depended on it, like in the level of detail that like legally, you know, but he knew the business. You know what I mean? He came from the field. He came from being a laborer. He worked his way up to being a site superintendent, to being a project manager, to eventually being the construction manager or director, whatever title you want to give him of this company. There was nobody above him in the construction sector. You know, and I reported directly to this guy. And he was an animal. I've told you about him before. So he was really good at learning the, the field game, but terrible at the office game. And, you know, I spent seven or eight-ish years similar to you at this company. And I had quite an opposite effect. I thought I was a master of the industry because this guy just bred you that way. He made you feel confident. You just, you felt untouchable, right? And I was like telling people, oh, that's not how it works. And like, you know, (laughs) meanwhile, like a few years later, I'm thinking back to those conversations I had with those people. Man, did I ever look fucking stupid because through the process of jumping around, I learned to calibrate that like what was right and what was wrong about the process that I was following. Mm -hmm. And now where I am, it's like these guys are super legal. They're super vigilant on paperwork. And it's just like, I used to be afraid of this. Now I like I love it. I would love I would love to go to another company that puts me to the test for paperwork because it was the jumping around that gave me the experience, like you said. Mm-hmm. But it's also not looked it does not look good on your resume though, if you're doing a year here, a year there, a year there, a year there, because there are companies that are looking for loyalty and they're yeah. looking for people to stick around and grow with the company. So I'm Although we're, you know, your advice is not that different from my advice is to get the experience by going around. You also have to be cognizant of how it's going to look on your resume when you don't have commitment to a particular employment. Yeah, I've, I've had, I guess I've had some decent success on just like my resume alone on, and maybe it is the the loyalty part. I think I stayed like three years at one place and almost eight years at the other, and that's that's like a decade of your life. <laughs> I, yeah. g- I gave these people the best years of my life. Well, do you regret it? <laughs> um, uh, that maybe that's like a yes and no. Like, I think that's like on some levels I regret. Like, because because of the advice that I'm doling out, it's like I think maybe things would have been better if I jumped around. Um, but at the same time, like it was a great experience because I was really you know I was a small equity holder, so just it was that that dream of like okay working for a startup and then having it get acquired by a larger corporation and that was i mean that's a once in a lifetime thing that you know so not to knock anyone else that like wants to try it, but just make sure that um you're 
doing your certificates, like building on new skills. So I think this is like, this is actually a great uh, piece of advice that I think I, I have for people out there is while you're working, um, you know, even if you're not thinking about leaving the job or whatever, but just look at what jobs are actually out there. And it doesn't hurt to like apply them just to see like, cause you look at the, uh, the job postings and you'll see like, this is what they want. Right. Like these are the skills. And because the field that I'm in, like digital marketing, like things are changing so fast. So there's always new technology coming out. There's like new um, requirements as well. So, I mean, I think that's part of me, kind of my experience. Like now that I'm, I'm, you know, left my old job, I took a break and then I started looking at, um, looking at resumes or sorry, looking at job postings. It was like, man, I think I'm getting left behind a little bit. Like, I don't know this skill. I don't know that skill. And it's like, and then another good one now with like LinkedIn is look at other people who have that job title and look at what their LinkedIn profile looks like. Cause they've, you know, it's like, here's all their certifications, here's their job experience. And this is how they write about, you know, what they did. And that's kind of, and it's been kind of an experimental thing. You know, I started looking for jobs in like mid January and I guess it's like two months later. So, um, yeah, now now I've got an offer. Fingers crossed, it goes through. But it'll uh, go through, man. Don't worry about that. Yeah, yeah. I that's that's very very important. I think one of the pieces, like for my industry, anyways. I'm sure it's the same for yours. There's always conventions. There's always like opportunities to go out there and like do your research outside of your current employment, right? Because you don't know, and like sometimes you can be blinded by that. Sometimes you can be blinded by the fact that your employers are telling you this is how the industry is and this is how you do things. And meanwhile, they're unique in that sense. And perhaps there's other ways of doing the job. And perhaps there's other ways that other companies are more used to. And other clients may look at you and not realize or, you know, there's just better opportunity to get exposure through different mechanisms. And I think online research is obviously a good one. Not the best because you're not really getting a hands-on or a practical understanding. But going to conventions, talking to people, networking with people in the industry, talking to them about how their job is, Mm -hmm. doing the research on like LinkedIn, as you said. But nothing beats face-to-face contact like i the one thing i really respect about my industry is that first of all everyone loves to get fucking hammered when you go to an event like these are the things that you do you just go to a convention everyone gets shit-faced if you go up north for a convention you get shit-faced if you go to the convention center downtown you get shit-faced like that's just what you do but in the process of doing that you lose all your inhibitions and you start socializing with everybody and you really get to network well and like at the early stages of the night before you're completely out of it you're learning some stuff. Like, you, you know what I mean? You're learning about how the other companies are getting business. You're learning about how they're getting things done. Yeah. You're learning about new technologies that they're introducing into their companies. These are really, really important things to be, you know, cognizant of and that you want to be able to bring back to your employer. And that's another thing. Like, if your employer is not willing to um, adapt and perhaps entertain new ideas, that's, that's a for me, it's a red flag that the company's not really, it probably has a lot of flaws if they're not open-minded. Because they're going to operate under their own fucking set of rules and they're not going to bend for anything or anyone. Yeah. And that usually ends up in becoming a dated company or whatever. So uh, those are little things I would look for. And now that you're starting this new job, maybe keep that in mind. Like look for the openness of the employer. Maybe take a look around and see if like are they innovative or are they looking outside of the world that they're living in for new input and that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff. Very important things. So, but anyway, that's my two cents on the topic. So. All right. Well, I guess everybody, thank you for listening. That's another episode of Risky Thoughts. Please don't forget to check us out on Instagram at riskythoughts.to, our Twitter feed, which we never even checked, to be honest. So, but that's Risky Thought. 
and obviously we have our YouTube channel, which we have yet again failed to post video content for. And I'm not even going to say that it's in the works because I said that for the last three or four weeks in a row and I'm just not going to let you guys down again. So we'll just leave it at that. But you can check us out on YouTube. Our episodes are aired there. And uh, thanks a lot for listening and have a good night.